0: Everyone at some point has heard an urban legend or two, like the boogeyman, the lady at the lake, or the ghost of an old home. Every town has them, and every town has the people who think that they are stupid. We all like to believe that those stories have no hold over us, that they can't scare us, that it just can't be real. But every so often, we are so very wrong. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story The Tale of Laughing in the Dark. Ouija, Kathy, and Josh walked through Playland laughing and taunting each other. Josh, finger sticky from his cotton candy, loudly teased Ouija about being scared of the latest amusement park ride. The three friends raced through Playland to the farthest and darkest edge of the park when something stopped them suddenly in their tracks. Above the noise of music, games, and commotion, a high-pitched and maniacal cackle echoed through the air and landed in the ears of Josh, Ouija, and Kathy. They each turned in the direction of the laugh and found themselves standing in front of the spook house. You ever been in there? Josh asked. No, Ouija responded quietly, still a stone. The spook house had its own reputation, and it wasn't necessarily a good one. Strange things were known to go on inside that place, all having to do with a clown. The place seemed old, not in a run-down way, but in another unexplainable way. The kind of old that has memory and weight attached to it. If you were the kind of person who got scared easily, it might not have been wise to go in. Josh, always first to show off and last to think continued teasing Ouija and Kathy about being afraid. He wanted to go in, of course, but not alone. However, Ouija and Kathy wouldn't budge. With his back to the spook house, Josh continued to take jabs at his friends. The menacing laugh continued to pierce through the air and didn't seem to bother Josh, who was now imitating a chicken as he mocked them, backpedaling towards the spook house. The fun was cut short when Josh suddenly ran into something. No, someone. Josh jerked around in surprise, unable to hide being startled. Seemingly out of nowhere appeared a carnival barker, a man dressed from head to toe in red and white stripes. Excuse me, lad. Josh backed away toward Ouija and Kathy. The three kids were uneasy, to say the least. They had been at Playland all evening. They had caught glimpses of the people working there, and this guy seemed all wrong. He looked like someone who would work at a carnival, but in a different time. A time long ago. Before they could think of anything else to do, he spoke. His voice dripped with a syrupy southern drawl. The man went on about how he ran the spook house. They were ready to dismiss anything he said entirely until he mentioned Zebo. That was the name of the clown. Then he laid out their instructions. Pick the right door and you'll go free. Pick the wrong door and there he'll be. The Carney turned around and ceremoniously raised his right hand toward the spook house. Their eyes followed it until they saw something they were surprised they hadn't noticed before. Staring back at them with wide and weird eyes above the entrance to the spook house was a painting of old Zebo himself, as the man had called him. He had a white face and... Red hair and a red balloon-like nose, just as many a clown before him had. But clenched between his massive greenish teeth that formed a sinister smile was a long brown cigar. The carnival barker continued to coax the kids into the spook house, but Josh, attempting to hide his uneasiness, refused. He finally managed to respond, maybe another time. The barker was unbothered, letting the group know he'd always be there. Josh turned to walk away and, out of curiosity, gave a glance backwards, and, to his surprise, the man was gone. Josh's eyes returned to the huge painting of Zeebo, who seemed to look right back at him, laughing. After this strange encounter, the three decided to call it a night. But the memory of Zeebo, the spook house, and the odd man would remain a topic of their conversation afterwards. After that night, Ouija and Kathy decided to do some research on Zebo and the spook house. As it turned out, the laughing-in-the-dark spook house that they had visited was not actually the original. The first spook house had existed back in the 1920s, in the same exact spot. In 1924, the circus came to town and set up a new playland. One of the circus personalities was a clown named Zebo. Oh yes, he sang and danced and played his part, but he had more than just making children laugh on his mind. He stole an entire circus payroll of $4,000, but he was caught. He attempted to escape into the spook house, but he would never get out alive. The cigars he loved so much were the very things that led to his death. One of his cigars caused the spook house to catch fire and burn down, with SIBO inside. The clown perished in the fire. After the burning of the first spook house, another one, the current one, was built. And it included a Zeebo dummy at the end to scare people. While the dummy bit was a joke, the legend might not have been. For some maintain that the ghost of Zeebo still haunted the spook house. The laughing, cigar-scented ghost. As Ouija and Kathy read through the articles and newspaper clippings, Josh cracked jokes and didn't take any of their research seriously. Whether or not the legend of Zebo haunting the spook house was real didn't matter to Josh. What mattered was that his friends were too scared to even find out. Josh thought he was brave, braver than them at least, and he wanted them to know it. Josh's constant baiting was finally eating away at Ouija's nerves. Frustrated, he did the one thing that no kid can back down from. I dare you to go into the spook house alone, he said. Josh stopped. Why should I? He asked, hoping for a good enough reason. Cause I think you're just as chicken as we are. You just don't want to admit it, Ouija replied boldly. Maybe it was hurt pride or maybe it was some sort of rash bravery. But Josh led the charge back to the spook house that night to prove Ouija and Kathy wrong. He wasn't scared. He he wasn't scared. They approached the spook house again in Playland. The strange old Carney that they met before was not in sight, which gave him some relief. Ouija and Kathy voiced their doubts as Josh looked at the entrance. How are we going to make sure he goes all the way inside? Kathy asked Ouija, right in front of Josh. Ouija agreed. She's right. Josh, still oozing confidence and now looking up at the ominous Zeebo painting, increased the stakes of the bet. Tell you what, gutless, not only am I going to go through this whole place alone, but when I find the dummy clown, I'm going to steal his nose. Josh turned to Ouija and pointed, and you're going to wear it to school for a week. You get it, I'll wear it, said Ouija. Josh smirked and shook his head as he strutted towards the spook house. He pushed open the door to the main entrance and saw before him a small hallway, dimly lit, leading to another entrance. It was a double door, painted to look old and antique. Josh's walk, now that he was out of sight of Ouija and Kathy, went from a confident strut to a defensive and hesitant advance. The maniacal laugh was more noticeable than ever now that he was inside. He approached the second entrance doors and prepared to reach his hand out to push them open. But he didn't have to. The two doors were suddenly pulled open, and standing before Josh was the old carnival barker. His eyes were wide, his smile from ear to ear. He looked satisfied, and worse, like he recognized Josh. Sorry, my lad, didn't mean to scare you. Gonna give it a go, huh? Uh, Yeah, why not? Why not indeed. It's the most fun in the park when you're laughing in the dark. Josh quickly walked past the old Carney, who immediately closed the doors with a loud slam. He jumped back and looked, and the man was gone. He turned and continued his mission. The first part of the spook house was a large, dark hallway. He began to make his way cautiously onward. Josh looked behind him every few steps, thinking he would see the eerie man smiling, but the man was nowhere to be seen. The darkness deadened Josh's senses and made him uneasy. The only light in the spook house was the one on the black walls, illuminating red arrows that led the way through. He was first mildly startled by an animatronic Frankenstein's creature dummy. It was motionless, except for blinking red eyes and a groaning sound. Josh was immediately relieved, and it even made him laugh. He rolled his eyes and kept walking. His steps felt a little lighter. If it's all as lame as that was, this will be a piece of cake, he thought to himself he kept going. Several moments later, he was startled again, not by a silly dummy, but by himself. Josh was now staring at a funhouse mirror. There were several all next to each other, and each one contorted Josh's reflection in a different and goofy way. Josh laughed again. In his mind, he was closer and closer to victory, and it would be so easy. One particular mirror made him look round and Josh began to jump up and down and mock what he thought was such a silly and stupid legend. Look at me, I'm Zebo. hand over the dough. What do you think I am, some kind of clown? He mocked proudly. After what he saw were two consecutive and lame attempts to scare him, his guard was completely down. And far too soon. Josh took two steps forward, and everything stopped bright colors suddenly appeared to his left and made him turn and freeze in his tracks. The colors came into sudden focus and took terrible shape. It was a clown, and not a wooden painting. It was terrifyingly real. He wore a frilled, bright yellow neckpiece, an oversized purple shirt and striped green and yellow pants. His hair was a fiery mess of bright red. Strands of matted fake hair pointed in all directions. He was smiling And between his teeth, those familiar discolored teeth, a large brown cigar. What scared Josh the most was not the smile, but his eyes furled in a sinister glare. Josh wanted to scream, but before he could, the clown let out a cackle and returned Josh's mockery with his own. What do you think I am, some kind of clown? The clown then quickly held up in his hand a bulging bag of sackcloth, The dollar sign etched on it. Josh blinked, and it was all gone. Where was the clown? Where the clown was standing was a reflection of Josh, another mirror. Did he imagine that? Was this some kind of special effect in the spook house? Josh summoned up more courage. I I know it's you, old man. You can't scare me, his voice shakily declared. Josh moved past the mirrors and encountered two more jump scare dummies. He could not get the image of the clown out of his mind. Fear became frustration. I'm sick of this. Let's get it over with, Josh thought. Running would be quicker. And the quicker he could get out of this, the better. Straight on, the spook house led him until a fake fire-breathing dragon forced him to make a left turn. Josh then realized he had another problem. The red arrows that had been pointing forward had led him to a dead end. This can't be the end, he thought to himself. However, his thoughts were interrupted by a strange but familiar smell. Cigars, he said. In his confusion, he leaned his back against the wall, causing it to suddenly give way. A false door. Josh stumbled into a new circular room, painted in colors that matched the terribly bright and exaggerated colors of the clown. Around the room were numbered doors, irregularly shaped. There were ten, numbered zero to nine, but weren't organized in numerical order. Josh knew he had fallen through door zero. However, that still left nine others to figure out. Then he heard the familiar voice of the Carney echo in the room. Pick the right door and you'll go free. Pick the wrong door and there he'll be. In a hurry to get it all over with, Josh randomly chose a door. Number five. It was more like a strangely shaped window, as the door itself didn't even touch the floor. He grabbed the doorknob and pulled it open, stepping back quickly. The door revealed a large cutout of a skeleton head, swinging back and forth behind jail cell bars, giving off shrieking sounds. Josh closed the door. No Zebo, no exit. He had to try another. He walked to door number four, irregularly shaped again, and across the room from door number five. Grabbing the doorknob and pulling back quickly as he did the previous one, he was welcomed by a rush of cool open air from outside. He did it. He picked the right door. All he had to do was walk right through the doorway and take a left. On the wall was a black hand that pointed the way along a yellow stripe that led down the hallway. A sound effect of crowd cheering was playing. The relief of reaching the end of that stuffy old spook house and the thought of fresh air and the safety of home... Made Josh so relieved, he almost forgot about the very reason he went in to begin with. Kiss this place goodbye, Josh said to himself out loud. He placed one foot into the hallway when an old and out-of-tune circus melody began to play behind him, in the circular room. Josh turned, and then grimly he remembered, Zebo. The relief of making it to the end of Laughing in the Dark was now gone. Josh was feeling more like himself, and his usual pride and insufferable need to win began to return. If I don't get that nose, I'm dead meat, he said. He surveyed the room, looking at the doors he had not yet tested, until his eyes stopped at one taller and wider than the others. The highest part of the door nearly reached the ceiling, and stretched all the way to the floor. It was bright red, and its knob was positioned at the center of it. Door number six. Josh pulled open the door. What first appeared as two glowing red eyes in pitch darkness came forward from the shadows. Within seconds, Zebo was standing over Josh. The boy went rigid and screamed. The clown laughed as it stared down at Josh. But that was all it did. It took several seconds for Josh to realize that he was face-to-face with the dummy clown. It was an exact replica of the painting in front of the spook house with its red eyes, ear-to-ear smile full of yellowed teeth, and a large red foam nose. In its right hand was a money bag. Josh couldn't hide that he was afraid, and thankfully there was no one around to hide it from. He reminded himself that it was only a dummy, and a dummy can't hurt you, can it? He approached the clown and reached his hand out to grab the clown's nose. In that moment, the dummy lurched forward, giving another cackle. Josh was now both afraid and angry. You're an idiot, Josh. A plastic dummy can't hurt you. Stop being such a wuss and just do it. Zebo was still leaning forward, as if daring Josh to do the deed. Josh made a break for it. He lunged forward as fast as he could and snatched the nose off the clown's face. He forced out a laugh. He felt his confidence come back. He thanked the motionless figure for making him a brave hero in front of his friends. I'm the guy who beat Zeebo, he said in the midst of his mockery. He shut door number six. Returning to door number four and stepping into its doorway, he turned back and shouted one last bit of mockery. Hope you can smell your stinky cigars without your nose. He shut the door and ran out of the spook house where Ouija and Kathy were impatiently waiting. It was the beginning of a great night for Josh as he taunted Kathy and Ouija all the way home. Josh was the sorest winner, but, as they say, ignorance is bliss. He returned home full of pride and blissfully unaware of what he had done. Had someone been in the spook house after Josh left, they would have seen a flurry of activity. A dim light grew brighter and brighter behind door number six and thick gray smoke began seeping through the cracks around its closure, filling the room. In those hours, Playland would receive an overwhelming amount of parent complaints about someone smoking in the Laughing in the Dark spook house. Kids ran out both scared and reeking of cigars. Josh put his prize on his dresser and fell asleep, anticipating just how much he was going to relish Ouija wearing that stupid big red nose. Josh was pretty cocky before but after he stole Zebo's nose, he was uncontrollable. The next day was a Sunday. Josh showed up to Ouija and Kathy's house with the nose in hand. The defeated siblings came out to meet him. Josh handed the nose to Ouija, wanting him to try it on before he worked to school for the next week. Ouija put the nose on and sat dejected on his porch steps. Josh went on, in a triumphant rant about how ridiculous spook houses were and how the nose of Zeebo represented how fake they all were. After you get through wearing it, I'm going to get it mounted like a trophy. Then I'm going to get it engraved. The kid who beat Zeebo. Josh continued until Ouija broke. He pulled off the nose. Enough, all right. You're a hero and I'm a loser. What can I say? Ouija turned and threw the nose to the corner of his house. Josh laughed and ran to get his new prized possession. Ouija and Kathy took the opportunity to go back inside, away from their arrogant friend's taunting. Josh searched for the nose in some shrubbery, and when he stood up, he froze. A strange but familiar aroma surrounded him. Cigars, he said. Josh followed the scent around the corner of Ouija's house and cautiously peered down the narrow, grassy walkway that led to the backyard. Nothing. Josh looked down and noticed the nose sitting on the ground. He picked it up and scanned the area around him. Still, nothing. The moment was both intriguing and confusing, but Josh chalked it up to a trick of his mind. After all, he did have Zebo on the brain. He walked back home. Josh came home to an empty house and a note from his mother. His parents were at the theater, so there was spaghetti and chocolate pudding left in the fridge for his dinner. Josh was annoyed at this particular choice of dinner for him, but he was hungry. He took the spaghetti out of the fridge and placed it in the microwave and began to heat it up. In the meantime, his parents being absent meant he could eat dessert first. So he pulled the large bowl of chocolate pudding out of the fridge. Suddenly, a loud creak broke the silence in the house. Startling Josh so badly, he dropped the massive bowl full of pudding. The bowl landed with a thud and threw a splash of chocolate across the tiled floor. Josh, thinking, rather hoping, it was his parents, began walking towards the foyer, calling for them. The door of the coat closet slowly creaked open. Josh stopped and grabbed his baseball bat he had left in a corner. He walked slowly toward the closet, his breath quickening with each step. He quickly pulled open the door, but nothing was there. He closed the door, but was startled again as the phone rang. He became angry at himself for being so jumpy. He answered the phone and was greeted by his friend. Ouija, deciding to be the bigger man, apologized for his anger earlier that day and acknowledged that Josh had won the bet. Josh, relieved to hear the voice of a friend after having a scare in his house alone, responded kindly. He was so relieved he became generous and told Ouija he only had to wear Zebos nose for one day instead of the entire week. Ouija pressed Josh to let it go, but Josh wasn't going to let him completely off the hook. Through a laugh, Josh informed Ouija that tomorrow was Zeebo Day for him and then ended the conversation. Back to just a normal dose of cockiness, Josh smiled and appreciated his humbling scare. Seconds later, the phone ran again. Josh laughed. He knew it had to be Ouija in another attempt to squirm his way out of wearing the nose. In his confidence, Josh picked up the phone and immediately spoke. One day's the best I'm going to do. But the voice that responded to him was not Ouija's. An ugly, raspy voice spoke slowly and with purpose. Give it back. Josh's heart began to race. His eyes widened. The voice spoke again, louder. Give it back. Then the laugh, that horrible, maniacal laugh, Josh was scared, but tried to keep calm. No way, Weej, You're not scaring me. The voice continued to laugh, even as Josh hung up the phone. Josh was determined. This wasn't happening. He wasn't scared. Everything was okay. He was going to eat dinner. He was going to play video games, go to bed late, and then laugh at Ouija the next day at school while he wore the big red clown nose. Everything was okay. He quickly walked to his kitchen and began setting a place at the table. There's no such thing as Zeebo the Clown, he said to himself, not realizing that the whole time he had been frantically pulling too much silverware out of the drawer and piling them on the table. A loud beep startled Josh. Everything was startling him. The spaghetti was done, so Josh opened the microwave. But a dark cloud of smoke rushed out. A sickening smell of spaghetti and something else made him hold his breath. He coughed. Cigar smoke. It smelled like cigar smoke. He opened the pot. Stuffed in the spaghetti was a handful of half-smoked cigars. His stomach turned, and he began to panic. At the same time, he noticed another terrifying sight as he looked down into the disgusting mixture in the pot. On the floor, imprinted in the large splat of pudding, was a shoe print, not Josh's. A massive, cartoonish-looking footprint, nearly twice the size of his, with an unmistakable symbol imprinted in the middle a z Josh let out a blood-curdling scream he dropped the pot of spaghetti and cigars and bolted upstairs to his room he slammed the door and leaped over his bed he grabbed the phone and called Ouija hoping beyond hope that he had something to do with this Ouija answered Josh through heavy breathing pleaded with his friend to tell him if he was pretending to be Zebo. Ouija knew nothing "'Josh hoped that revealing his fear to Ouija would end it all. "'I'm scared. I I was scared on the ride, and I'm really scared now. "'Was that you?' he frantically asked. "'Ouija was still confused. "'Then the two boys heard a click. "'Another receiver was picked up. "'Josh's senses were heightened, and he didn't wait for someone to speak. "'Is that you, Kathy?' "'It couldn't have been Kathy. "'Josh, we only have one phone. "'It's got to be at your house.' The raspy voice that had called earlier interrupted the conversation. If you don't give it back, I'll come up and get it. Whatever composure Josh had left was gone. He was terrified and getting worse by the second. He turned to his bedroom door and saw in horror that he didn't lock it. He threw down the phone, ignoring Ouija on the other line as he asked who that other voice was. Josh pressed against the door and was met with someone else pressing the door on the other side. Amazingly, he was able to latch it. He stepped back and watched, petrified, as his doorknob shook violently as someone was attempting to open it. There was nothing else he could do. He could only wait and hope for this all to stop. Suddenly, the doorknob stopped moving. The silence was deafening. Josh scanned the door from top to bottom and then saw something. Was it him? Under the crack of the door, against the light of the hallway, he could clearly see the shadow of two feet standing at his door. Suddenly, out from the bottom of the door, a purple balloon inexplicably began to inflate. Josh couldn't even scream. He stood there, motionless, a blank stare on his face as he beheld some strange magic happening before him. The balloon inflated and rose up, already stringed. It rose, level with Josh's head, so he could clearly read the words written on it in black. Give it back. The balloon floated closer toward him, then popped, snapping Josh out of his frozen terror. He dashed across his room and out of his window. He knew the way up and down his house. He knew he could get down. As he exited, he could hear the horrible sound of his doorknob rattling. He nearly fell as he scrambled down his roof and ran off into the night. Terrified. later that night the town's smoke shop was preparing to close a young cashier was finishing cleaning up and was ready to go home he had to close both nights that weekend and he was over it as he headed to the door to lock it and flip the close sign out he stopped when he saw a young red-headed boy running full speed towards the shop the boy stopped at the door and through the glass begged to be let in you're too young dude The boy pleaded with tears in his eyes. I just need some cigars. They're not for me. It's a matter of life or death. Please help me. The cashier laughed, amused. What in the world was this all about? And he was also angry at his boss for making him work Friday, Saturday, and Sunday until close. Eh, who cares? He thought to himself. He let the boy in. The cashier watched as Josh grabbed a large humidor of long cigars and paid for them. He was crying, sweating, and breathing heavily. Please don't tell anyone I was here, he said. Dude, if I do that, I lose my job. I get out of here, he replied. Josh ran out of the smoke shop and bolted full speed to Playland. It was closed, but there was no security. and Getting into the park was surprisingly easy. Josh carefully made his way to the far end where the spook house was. Every few steps, he jerked his head around, half expecting to be attacked by Zebo the Clown the whole way there. The spook house was not locked. At this point, it didn't surprise Josh. Not at all. He knows I'm here. He's letting me in, Josh thought to himself. Of course it was open. Because Zebo was real. All of it. The ghost, the legend, the story. It was all real. Josh knew the way through. The spook house was actually scarier than ever when it was shut down. The dummy monsters didn't activate but rather appear to solemnly and obediently watch Josh from the shadows, as if they knew he'd be back, as if they knew there was no need to scare an already terrified soul. Josh approached the dead end, the false panel that led to the fateful circular room of doors. He couldn't get it to open. He pushed, he slapped them with his hands, he looked for a lever, a button, nothing. As Josh began to despair, the door slowly opened on its own. As if welcoming him back. He walked through door number zero. Josh entered the circular room of doors, and door zero slammed shut, causing Josh to drop the brown paper sack he carried from the smoke shop. He couldn't take it anymore. Forget it, I'm gone. He ran to door number four, the door he knew was the exit, but it was locked. He shook the door, but it didn't budge. Josh felt everything closing in around him. This was it. This would be his end. Everything he thought was fake was really about to get him for good. His thoughts were interrupted by the sound of a door opening. Josh turned and watched the huge, bright red door number six slowly open. It couldn't get any worse. Or could it? And it did get worse because the dummy clown that flew out at Josh the previous night was gone. All that was there in that large doorway was darkness and swirling smoke. Josh remained fixed on the doorway, half expecting Zebo to charge out of it as he walked over and picked up the brown paper bag. He approached the empty doorway and spoke to it, his voice cracking. ''Okay, I should have taken your nose. I'm sorry.'' He reached into the bag and took the large red foam sphere out and placed it just inside the doorway. He reached back into the bag and took out the wooden humidor. ''And uh, just to show there's no hard feelings.'' cigars all for you he forced a smile and laid his peace offering next to the nose josh slowly backed away and watched amazed as door number six closed on its own the moment it closed josh noticed to his right door number four creaked open the message was clear the offering was accepted josh could leave and zebo had won josh dashed out of the door and didn't look back but he heard as he cleared the exit of the spook house a sound he hoped to never hear again. That terrible laugh. As Josh got further and further away from the spook house, the old Carney emerged from the shadows and watched him disappear into the night. He bit the end of a brand new cigar off and spit it on the ground. He lit the cigar and puffed it as he walked to his usual position in front of the entrance to Laughing in the Dark Spook House. Had anyone been there, they would have thought it a strange, if not disturbing sight to see a carney dressed in full costume in front of an empty spook house in a closed amusement park, but no one was there to see. The carney blew a large cloud of smoke into the air, smiled, and called out as if the grounds were bustling with many people. It's the most fun in the park when you're laughing in the dark. He turned and looked at the large and ominous painting of Zeebo on the front of the spook house, which caused the old soul to snicker, then let loose a wild cackle that echoed into the night sky. The End I declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed.